Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Kane and Rince's Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 133, continuing my run of catching up with community members who have expressed an interest in coming on the show. It's Keith now. Ha, ah, I didn't check. Is it Wernert or Wernert, the Germanic it, way? It is Wernert. Wernert, the American way. Yes. <laughs> Well, I think I think it has more Irish undertones, but uh, we will go. Oh, okay, <laughs> I would have guessed I would have guessed Germanic with with that name, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my my lack of knowledge. Um, yeah, so you're there in the USA, in the southern states, is that right? In Mississippi. Well, I used to live in Mississippi, so I ah. think that's more of a Twitter failure on my part to update oh, it. Okay. Uh, I lived there for about a year and a half, two years. Um, okay, I am in Ohio now, so. Uh, not too far away, only 13 hours of driving. <laughs> 13 hours, yeah, you see, that's like the whole country uh, in the UK. You can get from pretty much the all the way, yeah, beyond, in fact, uh, the north of Scotland to where I live in on the south coast of England in 13 hours. Um, yeah, so what, what was Mississippi like? It's kind of got a sort of, um, a, 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 some sort of, I don't know, romanticism about it or an atmosphere that, that we see over here from many movies that have been set there. Some of them obviously about, you know, racial divide and things like that, but also just the general, um, you know, the bio and all that stuff well sure um you know i wasn't sure what to expect when i first moved there um it was just part of the job uh going down right. there to 
work for a little while and yeah, everyone was really nice from my understanding and perspective. It was just uh, way too hot in the summer. You would go outside and it would just be this oppressing humidity. Like you right. would sweat without yeah. doing anything at all. <laughs> Okay, and, mosquitoes or uh, midges, near, bugs? Near, near the water, you would always yeah. have mosquitoes. But uh, And then the winter would come, and it would get to like 32 degrees, and everyone's wearing a parka, and I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt, saying, <laughs> what are you yeah, complaining yeah. about? <laughs> alligators, any of that? Yeah, uh, yeah, there's uh, alligators around. Um, they actually like use these special hooks to go after them i guess and then yeah serve them at restaurants the fillets of alligator i guess yeah well yeah seeing as they're just queuing up there to be uh, to be eaten and what's what's ohio like in comparison um it's very different uh, the area yeah. i'm at especially it's much flatter um and we get pretty much every type of weather you can imagine uh you know zero degrees or negative degrees in temperature yeah. and we just got about well only about four inches of snow uh last night but we were supposed to get like 10 to 12 and they oh. did get 10 to 12 just a little further north so I like oh. a bit of snow. We've had a little dusting over here, uh, but our climate tends to be less extreme. Although, you know, we're working on that uh, <laughs> as the world goes yeah. world goes to, to pot. Uh, yeah. So whereabouts did you grow up? What, what uh, state? I am from Ohio. Um, I'm actually back okay. in my hometown, which is Toledo, oh, cool. Ohio. So right on the border of Michigan, which is the, you know, uh, mitt that makes yeah. up the, the inside of the, all the Great Lakes, or most of the Great Lakes, I should say. And, oh, wow. uh, um, so this is where I was born and raised. Family's from here. Mom, Dad was raised here. Mom's half an hour, a town, a town half an hour to the west. But, you know, once I graduated college, you know, I kind of wanted to do a little bit more, see other places. So I've been to Texas working. I've been to Wisconsin, uh, California, Mississippi, which we've already mentioned, uh, Louisiana, Florida. Um, wow. But You've been around. I've been around. Um, you know, Ohio is just where my family is. It's, And I like Toledo, especially because you have a lot of big metropolitans in pretty much mm. any direction. Toledo's not a big one, but then you have Detroit north, you have Cleveland to the east, Columbus to yeah. the south, and Chicago if you go further west. So, I mean... Excellent. So, uh, in your travels, is that is that where you've uh, where you've come to discover the uh, the world of podcasts and listening to uh, other people talking about games and um, and whatever else? Well, yeah, absolutely. Podcasts for sure. They uh, keep me company at all my drives. Um, so, Kane uh, Rinse, the sound of play specifically, is one that's like always high on the list. So when um, I have one in the queue, it's like the next drive. Oh, there's a new sound of play. I gotta listen to that one so oh. very nice so I, I always like to hear that you know we've been the soundtrack to obviously we don't make the music we just stitch it all together but uh, it's nice to know that we've been the soundtrack to some uh, some spectacular drives here and there um around the world yeah and uh, i think you've had uh, you've had one or two requests uh, played on the show before haven't you yeah i think i've put six requests out and i think you've played all but one of them at this point well, goodness me, you must have fine taste. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. As the Green Flea, is that you? That's me, the Green Flea, uh, basically on all the things, too. So Twitter, which you've seen, uh, Instagram, even on the forum for Kane and Rents, uh, even on Facebook, if you do facebook.com slash the Green Flea, that's me. Ah. <laughs> and where does that come from, may I ask? 
Um, well, when I was growing up, um, we are my fit, my parents had five kids. So I have three older brothers than me, and yeah. then a younger sister. My oldest brother, um, you know, I was a, you know, younger than him, always annoying, jump on his back, and you know, he's seven years older than me, so he would just think right. I'm this little twerp. He's like, get off my back, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he, it's uh, one day he started calling me Flea, and it just kind of stuck from there. So I've always yeah. had this nickname with Flea with my family, and Green was more of a color choice like green's pretty much my favorite color like forest green color of leaves and photosynthesis and whatnot and once the internet became a little bit more prevalent and everybody had their own screen name and sign in i was like well i'm the because singular the green flea just kind of stuck and uh i try to put put it out there everywhere i can yeah now now you are lumbered with it forever which is uh which is the way it goes We'll also uh, be sharing some of your picks. We've heard one already. I think we can uh, get a sense that you perhaps have, uh, maybe you're a 90s kid. Maybe you have slightly esoteric tasting games. I I like all these things. So, um, well, let's start. We haven't, disappointingly, we haven't yet uh, reviewed any Vanillaware games on the Cane and Rinse podcast. One day we will certainly correct that um obviously they are often uh, cited as being you know some of the most uh, beautiful looking uh, games around with with some spectacular art but also uh, as we heard there from that was the world map theme from odin sphere some gorgeous music as well oh absolutely and the main thing that draws me to the vanillaware games of course the artwork um mm. you can see it right away and you know what it is Odin Sphere was the first one I've ever played, and um, I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, I love the fact that I don't know if, if you've never played it. You know, you have you start with one story arc, and then you play it, and that ends, and then you go into a different, whole different character. But then it's a different part of the timeline and a different character with different abilities. So you kind of start from scratch, but you're also mm. already familiar with some of the happenings of the world. And once you get to the end, you can like piece together all the cutscenes is like an extra. Like you just watch them all in tandem, so you could piece together the whole story. Um, yeah. So, did you play the PS2 version uh, back in well about ten or eleven years ago, or, or uh, have you come to one of the the HD remaster versions? Uh, that's the one that I played originally. Was the PS2 version, and then. That one's notorious that if you get to certain bosses, the hand-drawn animation is there's so much going on that it just gets slowed down, I think. Yeah. Uh, Odetta, the Queen of the Dead, I believe is her mm. name, she just is this huge sprite that takes up like a third of the screen and she throws so much at you. There's so <laughs> much going on and then it's like a, a, a Nintendo game all over again where you're just like crawling towards her. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a late a late release for PS2, but happily they got the chance to, yeah, polish it up and make it work beautifully on uh, more contemporary systems. Absolutely, and the uh, PS3 emulated version was the one that I played the most, probably because they take took care of that problem, and it was yeah. before the PS4 version came out. Uh, Leftizer, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Life Life I think, or so, yeah, something well, like sure. that. Means- that. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. It means, <laughs> I think it means the spirit of life. Yeah, my my mum kindly got me that one for for my birthday a, a while back, or was nice. it Christmas? Anyway, yeah, gotcha. it's uh, it's absolutely. We would love to do a Vanillaware series on the podcast of uh, their disparate games. They don't tend to do sequels generally, do they? They do kind of standalone 
um, games, and there's there's a few of them which uh, which I, I would absolutely, yeah, I would love to cover. I have Miramasa, the Demon Blade, which is really yeah. good. And then mm. I I own Grim Grimoire and Demon's Crowd, but those two I uh, one reason or another I started, but never finished. Yeah, and we've got a uh, there's a, a new version of uh, Dragon's Crown coming. Uh, on PS4 quite soon, I believe this year, uh, Dragon's Crown Pro Edition. Oh, wow. um, whether it'll actually, whether it can possibly look any better, I don't know. But you know, I, I'm just always happy for a for a new version to come out to uh, for other people to get to play and enjoy, and hopefully uh, it'll get a bit, you know, raise its profile a little. Great. Hmm. So next up, interspersed with Keith picks, we also, of course, have some requests from the forum. Normally, these might be one of Keith's tracks, but today it's other other folks. And uh, we're going to start with our friend Camille, also known as K-Sub-0-1000, who says, I often feel like the popular appreciation of a game's soundtrack is inherently tied to the quality of its narrative, which is a shame because a lot of great tracks which were originally composed for games that are usually not remembered for their stories tend to fall under everyone's radar. A good example of that would be the Ninja Gaiden main theme. The game is hardly a storytelling powerhouse, but I find this track highly atmospheric and energetic. Let's hear it. This is the main theme from the 2004 Xbox Ninja Gaiden.
that is Rio uh, Koika, I think, and Wakanahara, possibly, and or, uh, with the main theme from the 2004 reboot of Team Ninja's Ninja Gaiden. We covered that on the podcast fairly recently, back in, I'm going to say it was episode issue number 266 yeah uh you a fan of those very exacting um hardcore kind of third person action games keith yeah um i played through ninja game 2 i played through the entire Uh thing and that one was intense um, Mm. with all the different Mm. weapons you can get but once you kind of picked one and then figured out all the intricacies of it 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 was uh huge amount of fun the first one i own and have played but never to a huge extent that it's the same kind of thing you get a backlog of games and then you try one and you hope it hooks you and then other things pop up but i definitely yeah. agree with uh k sub-zero that that game had a soundtrack that you know you might not appreciate as much for being a third person game mm-hmm. uh, at, at, like i can think of another parallel with Castlevania games, so right. right there with Ninja Gaiden, the PS2 versions of those third-person ones where uh, yeah. Lament of Innocence and Curse of Darkness, yeah. there's definitely mm. some tracks where they are awesome in the game and, mm. you know, no, you never hear about them because it was like, well, it was a middling Castlevania game. Uh, yeah, we talked a little about those uh, 3D Castlevanias when we covered uh, the the most recent, well, not the, quite the most recent one, <clears throat> the Mercury Steam one. And we did revisit the, the slightly uh, uneven 3D Castlevania lineage with the N64 games and, and those PS2 games that you mentioned. Yeah, and it, it's a curious time. So, have you also done the? Have you done the majority of the two D Castlevanias? Yes, I've been able to get through I, Castlevania, Simon's Quest, and uh, Castlevania Three. Um, Castlevania Three got pretty tough at the end because you have to go through that gauntlet of the three bosses and whatnot. But that's kind of one of my favorite three things with those games is when you you find a challenge and you keep running into a wall and you have to try and overcome that wall um yeah. finding the pattern and the, the ways to get around it jumping perfectly hitting perfectly um, yeah that's kind of my favorite thing which I, I guess will go into my next track too <laughs> yeah definitely uh yeah so super castlevania 4 would be is that the next one in your in your series to do uh i've done i've done that one as well um okay. let's see I have a list of them. Um, I think I need to get through the 3D Lords of Shadow too. Um, oh yeah, because the first I I got that Lords of Sla- uh, Shadow collection for the first PS3 that came yeah. with all the DLC. I really oh, enjoyed yeah. it, and then it came with Mirror Fate for the 3DS, but the yeah. port to PS3, and that one was just like it's Castlevania, but without any of the fun parts you know what i mean <laughs> it was just kind of a super mediocre game it's like well maybe mm. lords of shadow will do two will do anything better but um there's uh there's at least one guy on the forum who's a real because uh, lords of shadow 2 did not review terribly well um but there's there's uh, i can't remember who it is apologies a member of our community is a real uh a, a staunch defender of the qualities of, of lords of shadow 2 so hopefully you'll it would yeah hopefully you'll feel the same way as uh, as that as that person does well i hope that person will track me down on the forum and tell me all the good points <laughs> yeah yeah there's a thread in there somewhere 
uh, yeah, come over to the forum, listeners, cadenrince.com slash forum. Talk games in a friendly and respectful fashion uh, in an unusually, uh, yeah, decent corner of the internet. It's well worth signing up. Yeah, so you've mentioned your next track is from uh, another notoriously challenging side-scrolling 2D series. This is from actually probably one of the lesser spoken about entries in the series, Mega Man 3. Yeah, and that, uh, well, backstory on this is that growing up, as I've mentioned, with three older brothers, mm. um, we had, you know, uh, an Atari. We had uh, Atari 2600. Uh, than the Nintendo, and it was kind of their system, you know. Well, we're playing the game, and I get to get be, be in the background and watch. Yeah, and this is a story we hear a lot on this show from uh, from people who grew up with elder siblings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they, uh, you know, would would show these games, and I was familiar from watching them for Mega Man One and Two, and then Three came along, and it just seemed. It was so much bigger, broader compared to the other twos in my mind. So once they were away, it was like my turn to play this. And that's the one, if I have a key point of what would make me a gamer nowadays, I would say Mega Man 3 was the game that did that because right. wow. I just fell in love with it. The platforming and compared to, let's say, Mega Man 2, you know, you had eight bosses and then you fought Wily. Well, Mega Man 3, you fight three, uh, eight robot bosses. And then yeah. all of a sudden, there's four new stages with this guy you don't know. It's just this head, but he takes up four squares. And then when you fight him, each stage has two bosses, a middle boss and a beginning boss. And it's all the bosses for Mega Man 2 that you have to use Mega Man 3 weapons on. So mm. it's this whole other trial and error thing that you have wow. to do. And then it goes to the Wily. But then you also have Proto Man, which is introduced as Mega Man's elusive older brother that you didn't know anything yeah. about. Rush the dog, which is basically acting as your items from Mega Man 2, like 1, 2, and 3. There's Rush Coil, yeah. Rush Jet, and Rush Marine. Um, and it just had such tight controls compared to the others. They introduced the slide, which gave you more maneuverability during boss fights specifically. Mm. So you weren't just stuck to trying to run and jump. This slide like doubled or maybe even tripled your speed so you could go under people. Um, and it made it, you know, it, it added this whole other dynamic and strategy to those boss battles. Did you um, find yourself hugely confused having not previously played Mega Man's 1 and 2? Or, or was it? <laughs> self-explanatory enough to just dive straight in there in three well it's it's hard to remember because i was probably maybe five or six years old at right this point. Yeah, fair so enough. nowadays it's like all all these Mega Man games are so innate to me um in fact i want to mention uh, my girlfriend has been such a sport because she knows nothing about Mega Man, and then mm. i was I, I wanted to play the original Mega Man on the legacy collection yeah and she I was like, okay, I'll watch you. Um, she has watched me play through one through seven at this point for some reason. Right. <laughs> yeah. My, I mean, my, my girlfriend is incredible in many, many ways, but the chance of her watching me play through seven Mega Man games is completely, yeah, it's totally non-existent. I'm not sure the chance of me playing through seven Mega Man games is that likely, but uh, yeah, that's some, but she gets something out of it. I think so. Uh, one of her favorite things. <laughs> Hope so. Well, yes, I think she's vocal enough that I think if she did not enjoy it, she would just leave the room and be like, yeah. I'm going home. 
of um, her own volition. Yes. But she's, yeah, you know, she's she's actually so great. She's making me, crocheting me a, a blanket of Mega Man jumping. So it's oh. all these squares to represent the 8-bit, you know, pixels. Oh. And she's been working on it for like three months. Um and Make sure you uh, you get some photos of that and uh, and share them about when uh, when when that's that masterpiece is complete. Oh sure, absolutely. But I do want to mention one other thing is that we listened to your Mega Man podcast, uh, Ken Renz. Mm. If you, I forget what number that was. Two nine six. I have it here in front of me. I Excellent. was prepared. Yeah. Uh, but we listened to that and your guys's you know interpretation is like you know this and that and this and then I I was like see. I beat this game in less than two hours. You see how hard it is? You're spoiled. But yeah. As, as a joke, yeah. as a joke, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I've made absolutely no bones about the fact that I found these games really tough. And I'm, and I'm interested now, obviously, I suppose it's like many of these things, you know, your favorite thing is often the first element of something you've ever seen um so this was your first mega man in the same way that people talk about zelda or doctor who or whatever their first one is often their favorite but it's perhaps most interesting here because um each of the first three mega man games had a different composer so manami matsumai composed all the music for the first game then it was takashi tetsuishi for the second game and then for this third game it's uh yasuaki fujita who only did this one mega man game of all the mega man games uh, until popping back for a single track on mega man 10 in 2010 um Yasuaki Fujita actually worked on things like uh, The Little Mermaid and Darkwing Duck and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, as well as providing the industrial area one for for the original final fight. Um, Yeah, so it's an interesting one. So each, I guess, each of the three initial Mega Man games had a kind of a slightly different sound to them. Yeah, and some reason, like you said, it's probably because it was my first one. But even if I go back to you know, one, two, or even later ones that this one always uh, resonates with me. And literally, I could probably have picked almost any song off this soundtrack because I, it, it's just so um, nostalgic for me. Um, yeah, it represents, course. you know, a, one great love that I have of video games, you know, in Mega Man that I could have picked the opening because it's like this says everything about Megan. I could pick it later songs that would just say, you know, this now we're getting to the end of the game. But um, as some of my picks that you've played on Sound of Play before have been, I really like the more upbeat and lifting ones. And I think this one that I'm, I picked for today, Magnet Man's theme, um, has all those traits that I really love in a video game uh, song, something that is... Uh, light and makes you feel a little uh, almost giddy I would say Thank you. 
So that was from Mega Man 3, selected by my guest Keith Wernert, Magnet Man Stage by uh, Yasuaki Fujita. And uh, as we discussed there, we have covered the first two Mega Man games on Kane and Rince, podcast issue 296, Seek It Out, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, uh, we may or may not someday continue down the Mega Man path. Uh, maybe we'll have to give someone like you, Keith, uh, uh, a shout if we do. Somebody who's uh, got Mega Man three in their blood. If we if we ever come back to that series, um, but obviously it's a bit of a it's a tall order going down the Mega Man path. Um, and also, obviously, we are mindful that from although we you know we've covered various series in the past, the Mega Man series from from the uh, sort of the dis viewing it from somebody who's not an expert it kind of looks like a series that doesn't really change all that much if i if if i can say that without being um you know critical of the series it, it maybe that's my ignorance but it doesn't feel quite the same as covering all the final fantasies or all the resident evils where every game is kind of distinct it's like here's another mega man with another set of bosses and another you know and and i'm sure there is more subtlety to it than that but um obviously we have to consider our regular listeners who may maybe don't want to go through uh 80 however many mega man sequels there are if you start factoring all, <laughs> all the mega man x games or whatever else next up track four for this sound of play 133 is another request from the forum and uh, it's another 90s track here this is f- uh, from boundless who says there are so many great tracks in earthbound you could probably spend a whole episode on them this one sticks out to me in particular because of how well it encapsulates the feeling of winter Being a Canadian, I am well versed in dealing with the cold, darkness and isolation that a winter can bring. Those undertones are present in this track, but are uplifted by the joys of being able to relax and hide from the elements. In the game, of course, this doesn't happen as, for me at least, the first time visiting winters was always a difficult portion of the game. Anyway, this is a track I think of any time I go walking about in the snow. Thank you. 
So that's from Mother 2, also known as Earthbound in the West. Winters by Keichi Suzuki and Hirokazu Tanaka. And uh, of course, yeah, Super Famicom game originally has since come to the Wii U and 3DS virtual consoles. There are other ways to play it, thankfully, now. A real cult classic. Has that been part of your historical catching up with games? I guess you'd have been pretty young when uh, when Earthbound came out, Keith. Yeah, after Super Nintendo hadn't been prevalent anymore, we were on the N64 and GameCube after that. Now Earthbound is so ex- was so expensive, it was so hard to get a copy to actually play. So yeah. I've never been able to play it, and that's probably wrong. I have the opportunities to play it nowadays. Um, it's just another one of those games that I know it's a JRPG, I know it's going to be a time sink, and mm-hmm. when, when do I want to actually invest that time? Because I have a reproduction cart of the original Japanese version. It's oh, just cool. called Earthbound Uncut as opposed to, you know, Mother 2. Yeah. Where it's just it's the unedited version. And then I have a, any, a SNES classic where that's part of it. And I Oh, just, yeah, of course. So yeah. I, ha- I just haven't sat down to play it besides making sure the cart that I got worked. So I played like the first, you know. Yeah. Sure. 10, 15 minutes another day i'm sure uh yeah that's another one we'd, we'd love to cover especially as they released um earthbound beginnings on virtual console for wii u which is a translation of the original mother for you know the nintendo but turned into a into an earthbound game i think it may have been based on a fan translation as well so um so it is now possible to as an as a, as a uh, an english speaker to go back to the to the start of the series and um yeah see what see why that that is uh so so adored by its fans and and why the characters forever pop up in smash brothers and things like that because that was another series that i think was largely a bit of a mystery in in europe uh for the longest time and it was only when um ness started appearing in smash brothers that people started saying well, who who's this guy you know but uh speaking of time sync jrpgs would that would that uh would that cover off uh, the next game that your your next selection is from right it's it's not that i'm opposed to jrpgs it's just now <laughs> yeah. nowadays it's a lot harder to do them as i think sure, we can all understand course. but we when do. my brother got home from college and i was oh, i may have been a uh in the last year of grammar school or grade school rather um mm-hmm. and his roommate left this game with him and he's like i don't know what this is and i'm like can can I have it? Like, sure, you take it. And it happened to be this PS1 game, The Legend of Dragoon. Mm. And so I took it up to my room. I popped it in. And, you know, 80 hours later, probably just uh, plowed through the thing. And uh, it's one of those times where you're impressionistic enough and you're developing the story. And um, it goes back to that nostalgia thing is that all these musical cues like they just bring me right back to like that first time like this may have been one of my earlier jrpg ventures so like when i hear the song that i picked which is whispering of the trees uh, it's like the first open area that you get to in the game so it starts off that you go through the introduction there's a battle in a town you fight a boss and then you get a small party together and you're like we're gonna go to this town basically and when you're you have to go through a forest hence whispering of the trees and it's this you know very chipper piano driven like wispy song um and just 
trying to get in there and this is the first time you fight things for at extended at your own of the uh, volition so you do some of the grinding that comes into play so i've heard this song a lot at the beginning trying to just level up a little bit get get used to the dynamics of the game um and then later on you know you were leveled up more couldn't do something in that area and you come back and now it's like oh yeah i remember hearing this song like 40 hours ago and it just brings you back to like another almost innocent part of the game where you're like yeah. well i didn't know anything that was going to happen and now this just reminds me of like how simple it used to be <laughs>
So that was Whispering of the Trees, selected by my guest Keith Wernert on this Sound of Play. And uh, so is that is, was that the game where you cut your JRPG teeth? Is that, that where you learned the ropes and the tropes of that genre? I'd say uh, it's, it's definitely part of that. I think my first true one was probably Final Fantasy IV, um, uh-huh. which, again, yeah. we go back to the first one's your favorite, and that's very true for Final Fantasy IV as well. Um, but I forget which one happened first because that's about the time I heard about emulation, and that's when I, I went on a computer. I was like, oh, I haven't, I've heard this game. Now I can play it for free? Oh, let's try it. <laughs> um, whereas this one kind of just fell into my lap, uh, Legend of Dragoon. And I'm better for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There, there's a couple of interesting things about The Legend of Dragoon. It's not one I've played. I, I remember it existing. Um, one thing is that the soundtrack was co-composed by two people, one of which, uh, one of whom I should say was Dennis Martin, who uh, I think is an American guy. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly which bits he was responsible for and which bits uh, Takeo Miratsu was responsible for. But uh, it's understood that those two never actually met at any stage during the development of, of the game or the soundtrack. Um, and I suppose uh, the other thing uh, of interest is that this was one of Sony Japan Studios' very, very first games, along with Ape Escape, the original Ape Escape, um, which, of course, famously utilised the twin analogue sticks on the first analogue controller for PS1. This was their second game, so it was really their first attempt at, at a, a JRPG, although I'm sure some of the, the team had perhaps been, uh, you know, headhunted or, or you know pinched from other studios miratsu who may well have composed that tune had also worked on some previous uh, games that were released by sony for playstation including uh, jumping flash the early 3d platformers um, gotcha. yeah i have uh, my copy of it the one that i've been talking about that was given to me by my brother and one of my favorite things on it it has a little bullet point that says three years in the making with the development team of over 100 members like, oh, that seems more common nowadays. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, but back then, wow. Yeah. So I guess maybe in that case, then. I mean, I don't know exactly when they started working on uh, Ape Escape, but it may be that Legend of Dragoon actually predates that as their first uh, project as a as a studio. And obviously, Sony Japan Studio now. Um, well, they've recently developed Shadow of the Colossus with Blue Point Games. That that remake, uh, Knack Two, Everybody's Golf. Uh, worked on uh, worked on the last guardian as well with with uh, with gen design um so yeah i mean this is a i mean who i i couldn't tell you who um which of the individual members of that team are still there but uh, but to know that basically those guys who were working on the legend of dragoon um you know recently helped out on things like um bloodborne is uh, is a pretty cool lineage for sure now, from the sublime to the ridiculous, as we sometimes like to do in uh, Sound of Play, this is a request. It's been kicking around for a while, but I listened to it again and I thought, you know, I'm going to stick it on here. Uh, absolutely amazing track from uh, from the arcade game Violent Storm, requested by Brazenhead89, who says, I'm submitting this obscure little gem from Konami's lesser-known arcade brawler, Violent Storm, primarily because it's ridiculous. Whatever you think of it, and I'm sure some responses will vary from delightful to awful, I can't give anything that captures the feel of an 80s Saturday morning cartoon like this. The excited brass hits, wailing guitars, jazz organs and saxophones seal the deal and give this track a time capsule effect that I doubt the musicians or producers ever intended for a second. You are so welcome. 
that was the stage one background music from the little scene arcade. Well, it was a little scene over here anyway, Violent Storm Arcade Machine. Um, I don't really have many memories of that 1993 coin-op kicking around in Brighton. Uh, Kenichiro Fukui and Seichi Fukami were the composers, but excellently the uh, vocalists who you heard with some amazing uh, work on that song, are known as Violent Storm Special Singers with names Junko, Jeffrey and Mayumi. <laughs> so uh, I hope you enjoyed that one. Next up is back to our guest, Keith, Keith Wernert from the Cana Rinse community, also known as the Green Flea. And uh, speaking of all things green, it's time some turtle power. Now, uh, this, more than any of the others, had you down in my head as a 90s kid <laughs> a turtles game soundtrack it's true i can't deny it i'm a 90s kid no uh, need to deny it but uh yeah growing up you know the early 90s just teenage ninja turtles took over or uh i guess you better know them as teenage mutant hero turtles because that's right ninjas Ninjas are too was scary. not, was not allowed it. no no, um, i think they've gone back on that nowadays but yeah uh back in the early 90s famously so yeah ridiculous um so yeah i love the tv show um and then obviously all the games so my first nintendo one we you know pretty notorious for being a little hard and obtuse at parts trying to get from one place to another but then it was with teenage ninja turtles the arcade game where it really kind of started to shine like this is what a turtles game is supposed to be um obviously they ported that to nintendo um, made a third one, and then they made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, the arcade game. So, you know, standalone story. Um, but the one that I'm picking a track from is from the Super Nintendo version, because if I critically look at my game collection and I'm trying to figure out what's my favorite game, I have to put Turtles in Time really at the top, because yeah. it's pitch perfect like brawler as opposed to the arcade game it felt like they made it a little cheap that like you had to get hit and you had to put more coins in it and it makes sense because they're trying to get yeah. money out of that yeah. but in the super nintendo version they fine-tuned it a little bit more so it felt more like your moves were more deliberate and you could avoid getting hit you still had all four turtles you could select from but if you were ever playing at one player you had to pick michelangelo because for some reason they made his weapon get like an extra hit somewhere oh. in there so hmm. you could you know uh defeat enemies quicker um if you play with two people though that's no there's not a real point of that because we just start hitting each other's guys and you know yeah. it's that turn base um, but being the 90s kid I am, the this song that I picked, Sewer Surfing, it encapsulates the whole game and everything the turtles are. It's, yeah. you know, fast, it's it's throbbing, it's got... Um, this level in the Super Nintendo version was a bonus level, so there was like a low like risk. Like even if you died, you didn't really lose anything because it was a bonus level there. Ah, um, so yeah. it, it felt, you know, it was just fun, just simply yeah. fun. Um, so listening to this a little bit more recently and I'm, I'm just still enthralled when I hear it. I think it, it goes very well with our, with our previous selection as well. Similar genre, uh, similar use of uh, mad brass stabs and, and all that good stuff. So uh, this is by Kozo Nakamura, Sewer Surfing. Sewer Surfing.
That's Kozo Nakamura's sewer, sewer Surfing from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, sometimes known as TMNT4. That's the Super Nintendo version as selected by Keith. And uh, yeah, rightly so, remembering that the Super Nintendo version was a little less of a, uh, yeah, it was a little less of a credit hoover than um, than the original. Although we have discussed before on uh, Kano Rinse and Sound of Play that we, we've learned from developers fessing up in recent years that a lot of cartridge games of the era did have horrific difficulty spikes normally inserted deliberately in levels two or three for the rental market <laughs> so right. uh, to get people to uh, you know to not complete the games on rental and therefore still want to go and buy them but I guess they had to strike that balance where they didn't make it so hard that people felt they were never going to do it and just never got around to yeah buying the game again but um yeah i think uh things like i think all the pretty much all the disney platformers like the lion king and the jungle book they all have like some kind of horrific um overly difficult yeah third section and then suddenly you get past that when you've got the game and it's like oh the rest of the game is nothing nothing like that difficult don't get Uh, me started on the lion king (laughs) yeah yeah that is that that was one tough game for a for a cutesy cartoon platformer but you know it's a tough movie in some ways as well so i guess it was <laughs> that's a fair point <laughs> i guess point. it was it was it was uh yeah true to its source uh so another obscure rpg this one is a track selected by i say obscure um selected by benderson from the forum it's obscure in the sense that i think this series kind of peaked with breath of fire 2 and 3 and then by the time we were on 4 and 5 i think we were back to very much only the hardcore of the hardcore uh, did you investigate the breath of fire series at all either on super nintendo or the playstation systems i forget which one that i tried um probably around the same time i played final fantasy 4 it may have mm. been breath of the breath of fire 3 on super nintendo uh, I think maybe two, and then three okay. was on PS One. Yeah, okay. I think was, so. I could be wrong. Definitely a Super Nintendo one. So yeah, let's yeah. go with two. Sounds I, like two. I got through a maybe the first section, and it just I, if, the way the JRPGs get, you could probably say the whole thing's a grind. But that one felt like a grind from the beginning. You know, usually you have a area that you know gets you excited about the story and the characters and the lore happening Mm. but that one just never captured me so breath of fire that's one that uh, it's not one that i even had a lot of interest in exploring further on there's plenty of other games that kind of captured me so final fantasy really took it away on that for the most part because i've gotten through most of those if not all of them uh the numbered the numbered ones not getting into crystal chronicles or anything like that Mm. Well, don't forget to pop into our uh, uh, pre-show discussion forum and, and give us your uh, your thoughts on some of those numbered Final Fantasies because we'll be looking out for feedback for those shows as we continue through that series over the next two years or so. <laughs> We're right. recording our Final it. Fantasy two show tomorrow. Um, yeah, so it's 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 I'd say it should be a fun time, but there's you know there's a lot of grinding involved. Um, yes, yeah, just as it was with Capcom's own RPG series Breath of Fire five, but uh, this felt appropriate as people are back on the, the Capcom wagon very much this year with uh, Street Fighter Five Arcade Edition and Monster Hunter World, of course. Uh, yeah, this was requested by Benderson, who simply says, The Steel Yard Rhythms of Lifeline.
So that was Hitoshi Sakimoto's lifeline from the Breath of Fire. I keep wanting to say the Breath of the Wild now as well. It's easily done. It's uh, how, how quickly our brains forget. Dragon Quarter. That was from the PlayStation 2 in 2002. And uh, yeah, we, we, we enjoy picking tracks that aren't so well known, but are just really great in their own right. And uh, I think that's one of those. Remember, though, listeners, please venture over to our forum, as I said earlier, at canarince.com slash forum. Or you can follow us on Twitter at canarince. Use the hashtag sound of play. Or you can even go on our Facebook page, request a track, request a favourite from the history of the video game's music medium. As long as it's not a licensed track that is better known outside of the game. Uh, We'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular sound of play when we don't have a fancy composer on. Anyway, um, please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already and do leave us an iTunes review or rating. We had one new iTunes review on the UK store recently. I haven't checked all the uh, the other territories because it's a, a bit of a palaver. Um, but that one review, just because it elevated us from 50 something reviews up to 50 something higher reviews, Uh, bumped us up massively in the iTunes charts, which is obviously great because it means when people are scouring through the video games uh, podcast charts or Apple podcasts, it may be called now, um, they're more likely to see us and then we'll get more downloads and then so on. And you see how it works. Uh, If you can't uh, be bothered to do a review, you can at least do a rating five up to five stars. uh, And you can probably do that from whichever uh, podcast app you use, whether it's an Android RSS based type of Dubry. Um, we also have a Patreon. If you enjoy these podcasts and you appreciate the amount of time and effort we put into them, which is substantial, I'll admit, uh, patreon.com slash rinse. You can donate a dollar a month or more if you wish, um, which is around about 75 English pence for something like 12 hours of podcast entertainment a month, which seems Fair enough to me. Uh, please do consider that. The more of you that do that, the more likely it is that we can continue doing this stuff into um, into our old age. <laughs> now, we have one more track from, I guess, Keith Werner before we go. But, uh, well, firstly, thanks for coming on and joining me, putting yourself forward into the scary world of podcasting, somewhere you've never been before. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, this is the one that uh, I kind of identified with the most on my driving and I always just want to be a part of it. I hear everyone talking, and I was like, I, I can talk about games for a good hour. Clearly so. <laughs> so, yeah. so. So thank you so much. It's been a blast. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, more to come. Uh, I've still got a, a list of folks. Uh, feel free to remind me, listeners, if you have uh, requested or yeah said that you're interested in coming on and I haven't got back to you. I do have a list, but uh, a reminder wouldn't go amiss. I'm old and busy, and so, yeah, sometimes I might need poking. Uh, Keith, as well as your own stuff, funnily enough, I was actually thinking about this uh, before we recorded. I was thinking, I wonder what Keith would like to to plug. He might have some social media or maybe he has a, a favorite charity or something. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing is I am going to do what's called Extra Life. It is yeah. something that basically raises money for children's hospitals. So anyone can do it really uh basically any gamers so so november 3rd basically everyone can play games for 24 hours and we're basically taking donations to try and give to the hospitals help kids with you know diseases cancer you know anything um Mm. you know and um i'm planning to do that um it's a nice excuse to play some games in the backlog like we've already talked about although 24 hours might be a lot 
So it's a sacrifice for doing that 24 hours and just trying to reach a goal of $500 for the year. And uh, yes, $500 for this year. But if we want to go over that, that's awesome too. You know, I'll take everything that we can get because it's all going straight to the kids. I've already put some of my money into it as well. Um, So I have that all set up. Um, Something I would love to do for it is that, you know, get some requests from people who donate. So if, you know, you give like 20 bucks, five bucks, whatever, and you throw, I'd like to, I'd like you to play this game or see you play this game. You know, I think that would be yeah. a great thing, like as a, you know, a little incentive if you were interested in that. Um, within reason, obviously, it's don't don't go play Little Samson or something where I have to track down a cart that costs, you know, two hundred dollars. <laughs> no, that would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's the main thing I had. So it's if you want to donate to me, it's extra life. Uh, with a hyphen in the middle. So extra-life.org slash participant slash Keith hyphen Wernert. Um, And anything would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Requests are welcome. Otherwise, uh, as we mentioned before, I'm the Green Flea on pretty much all the platforms, Instagram, uh, Facebook even, Twitter, uh, even on the Cane and Rinse forum. So if you'll... uh, want to talk to me about anything i'm always open just like everybody we're busy with work and life when we're not playing games yeah <laughs> such as it is yeah well do remind us nearer the time uh, i think leah uh, and uh, friend elaine did some uh, extra life stuff either last year or the year before um anyone who's doing that including yourself keith do remind us nearer the time so we can uh, retweet and share it out feel free to plaster all that stuff over the forum um yeah and and use use our sort of uh, yeah our community to make as many connections as you can that's because uh, that's obviously all good stuff now uh final track time then this is by a composer that is familiar to us and our listeners of course jake kaufman um but this is perhaps a track that is uh, from a game that's perhaps slightly less well known well certainly in certain circles anyway but i imagine given that the subject matter of this game and the platforms upon which it was released five years ago uh, it was probably it probably got a certain amount of attention. Yeah, so obviously Jake Kaufman wrote the Shovel Knight soundtrack, with most, uh, which most people know of, and he's more famous for. But when I got into his discography, I was surprised at how many different things he started showing up on. Like he did the du- stuff on DuckTales Remastered. He was yeah. on uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, bringing that back, Danger of the Ooze. Um, Oh, yeah. uh, and working on a game that I helped kickstart, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, the new like Castlevania-type um, Igarashi vehicle. Um, so it's going to be very interesting for that. But um, this is from Adventure Time for the DS and 3DS. Yeah. Uh, hey, Ice King, why'd you steal our garbage? And it's and lo- it, lots of exclamation marks, exclamation marks, and question marks. <laughs> like, it's a very good question. Why did you steal our garbage? <laughs> it makes sense in the context of the show if you're an Adventure Time fan, which I'm, I am. I'm unfamiliar. I just see the I see the the stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I think I yeah that boat just sailed past me. I gather well, it's cool. Well, it's also, you know, it's it's geared towards, you know, more children, but obviously with more adult humor yeah. and themes. So it's, it's sure. one of those things like, you know, younger parents can get like and enjoy with their children. And this is just something that uh, young enough, but without kids that I just played it on my own. And uh, 
Uh, I think it's been discussed before that this is like everything Zelda 2 for NES should have been because it's a it's a great platformer and open hmm. world kind of game. Um, so if you haven't played, even if you don't know anything about Adventure Time, if you go in it with that contest, like I really wanted oh, to like right. Zelda 2, Adventure <laughs> Time, Hey Ice King, Why'd You Steal Our Garbage? Uh, it kind of has that reputation. Um, oh, very cool. And, I should get Josh on this. He hated <laughs> Zelda 2. <so> I'm... <laughs> and uh, I could pick, you know, a lot of these songs are just great. Um, some of them are more... Uh, emblematic of the show so if you're a fan you kind of get like an in reference or you understand the humor um basically and there's a song that plays anytime you level up in the game mm. and it's like they they give another modifier instead and that's it's fantastic it's like uh one of they use exclamation point like exclamations like mathematical and tops blue be like these nonsensical things and they throw yeah. that into a song after you level up and it's like you just leveled up mathematical and then they do like other ones like that and part of the soundtrack they put them all together on one of them so you can hear like 25 of them in a row it's 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 another element to it that just makes it a fun humorous and just entertaining game overall um, so it does sound good. Well, we we do like WayForward uh, Technologies. Uh, Tom Hewlett, who who is a producer there, is a is a friend of the show. We've interviewed him in the past before, and and obviously we are fans of their uh, their skills of uh, particularly in in the art department. And yeah, they've used uh, Jake Kaufman as well. Um, and it was Summer Yacht Club who worked at WayForward and split off to make Shovel Knight. So it all makes perfect sense. Gotcha. And uh, so the one other thing I'll say about this before we sign off is that. I know we, you guys have played some Anamanaguchi songs before. Uh, yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. This is a song. Yeah, Go very ahead. similar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, thanks, Keith, for joining me. Uh, thanks for putting yourself forward and sharing some excellent tracks with us. And uh, we'll leave you with Jake Kaufman's Party in the Clouds from Adventure Time. Hey, Ice King, why'd you steal our garbage? And Ryan will be with you in Sound of Play 134. <laughs>